Okay. Thank you. Session four. Yes. Telling us what to do about, with, and for our enemies. As usual, the first question breaks the ice. What's an experience you've had with an obnoxious fan? What's an experience you've had with an obnoxious fan? You went to some event or a sporting yes. event and a fan is just out of order totally. Totally. Anybody had that experience? Oh yeah. <laughs> what, what was it? It was at the Mets game in New York. In New York. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was drunk. The addict. Mm. That misery. And he was a cousin. And a carry on. So, I guess that's a part of... Of course, that would upset a whole lot of people. Yeah. Who can't enjoy the game. Yes. That wouldn't have happened if it would have been the Yankees game. (laughs) 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 All right. So, see, that's it. You need to go to Yankees. I need to go to Yankees. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, the human, uh, the human response to being treated wrongly is what the world expects of us. But Jesus calls us to a radically different approach. We have a tendency to get sucked in to what is going on and become like uh, the situation around us. And the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to be different. What's the point of our study today? Love your enemies even as Christ has loved you. Is that easy to do? No, it isn't. It's a tall order. Yes, it is. But guess what? Jesus did it. Yes. And if he did it? Like him. So can we. If he did it, what, what, does it, what does that mean that he did it? We can do it too. Why? Because he set the example. Right. Okay? He said, if you have a problem with your enemies, uh-huh. do what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's what we're going to see as we go into the study. Let's look at Bible Meets Life. Someone want to take that? When it comes to sports, you're supposed to trash talk the other team and its fans. When a co-worker makes you look bad in front of the boss, you're supposed to make him look worse. Mm-hmm. When someone spreads a rumor about you, you're supposed to retaliate and spread a more hurtful rumor about her. Mm-hmm. When someone blunders in a way that affects you, you're supposed to gossip about the person. Mm-hmm. When even a family member wrongs you again and again, you're supposed to remove him from your life and never forgive. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to? That's how the world expects you to act. And the same thinking resides in our sinful human nature. But Jesus calls us to a different approach, a radical approach. Jesus calls us to love, serve, bless, and pray. That's easy enough for those we like. But Jesus calls us to do the same thing for our enemies. Those who trash talk us, make us look bad, spread rumors, hurt us, and even hate us. How do we do that in a world that says hate and anger is the answer? Okay, so culture and politics are becoming increasingly polarized uh, in the world today. In many areas of life, we've developed an us versus them mindset. How can I love much less someone who is opposed to me, yet 
That is the very thing we are called to do. Love those who hate us, who mistreat us, who abuse us. For Jesus, the call to love our enemies wasn't an empty platitude. He lived this. He loves us. He loved us. Remember what the scriptures say about enemies. It says, he loved us while we were his enemies. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. Right? Here's the setting. After going up on the, onto a mountain and spending the night in prayer, Jesus called his disciples to him and selected 12 to be apostles. According to Luke chapter 12. Luke, or sorry, Luke chapter 6. Uh, 12 to 16. Coming down from the mountain, large crowds of people came to hear Jesus teach, to be healed, and to be freed from unclean spirits. According to verses 17 to 19. Jesus then taught on what it means to be his disciples. Let's look at our first passage that we have. Luke 6, 27 to 28. Someone can go ahead and read that, please. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who, who mistreat you. Keyword, bless, verse 28. The root of the Greek word means to speak well of. As new creations in Christ, see Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 to 17. <coughs> Anybody got that or y'all will stop to read that? No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. The root, the, root of the, the root of the Greek word means to speak well of. As new creations in Christ, see, Corinthians, see 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we are able to extend God's goodwill and good actions to others. Christ calls those who know him and follow him to live lives that reflect who he is. To follow Jesus means to be like him, and that means we reflect his love through our actions and attitudes, even toward those who hate us. With no exceptions or escape clauses, we are to love unconditionally. What does unconditional love look like? Forgiving the person. Love your enemies begins with forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard, but it is completely doable. Jesus modeled forgiveness on the cross. As he died in our place, he said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. Luke 23, 34. He stood in the gap so that we can be forgiven for our sins. Just as God forgives our sins, we should forgive others. We should, we should forgive others' sins. Forgiveness frees our space and our heart where bitterness or hatred wants to take root. <clears throat> Forgiving others is a response to the forgiveness we have received from God. Since Jesus died for our sins, we can forgive others for the wrong they have done to us. Doing good to the person. Do what is good to those who hate you. Serving others requires faith to know the Lord is good and he works his goodness through us. Faith is active. Faith takes initiative. Faith seeks to please God by serving people who are difficult to serve, people that the world neglects or tells us not to love. They may have personally wronged us, but at the end of the day, they are still the ones we are called to love and serve. Nothing makes Christians stand out in our messed up culture like Christ shining through us while we do good to those who have wronged us. Blessing the person. Bless those who curse you. Our words have the ability to speak life or death. Death and life in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21. Wow. 
When we speak affirmations or praises or speak well of our enemies, we are choosing to bless them by speaking life over them. Sincere affirmation of others frees us from a spirit of hatred. The more we affirm people, the more our hearts warm toward them, resulting in greater willingness to forgive. This is hard to do, as hard as offering forgiveness. When we focus only on our own hurt and pain, we fail to see things from their perspective or understand what pain they may be experiencing that leads them to hate. That is not to excuse their behavior, but seeing through their eyes. Certainly helps us to pray, bless, and speak life over them. Our hearts begin to soften toward them. Even as Jesus loved us when we were his enemies, Romans 5, 8. The person becomes less of an enemy and more of a human with his own pains and insecurities. Praying for the person. Pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus made a clear correlation between loving our enemies and praying for them. But why? Why do we need to pray for those who are wronged us? Because it's not about us. It's about our relationship with Jesus, living in him and for him. Prayer brings us closest, closer to Jesus. Therefore, it brings us closer to healing and praying for those who hate us, who hate us, sanctifies us in humility. Praying for those who hurt us requires us to lay down our pride, which pays the way for an abundance of God's grace in our lives. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5 and 5. Okay, so we have a, a, a couple of issues here that are mentioned with regards to how we are to treat uh, enemies. The Old Testament law contains commands about how to treat others. And it's very specific about those commands, so that is not new to us. The law stipulated limited retribution when someone was hurt or injured by others. And in fact, in the Old Testament, we read about sanctuary cities being set up for people who hurt someone unintentionally. And so the, the, the Old Testament law made some stipulations. Jesus, however, raised the bar and established a new standard. Love your enemies. And he talks about forgiving the person, doing good to the person. Normally when a person does someone wrong, the, 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 the first thing that comes to mind is doing them something wrong back so that they can feel the hurt that they inflicted on us. Okay, but Jesus says, no, that's not the way to go. He says, do good to the person. Bless, bless, blessing put the person, he says, and praying for the person. Imagine someone has hurt you and inflicted hardship and mental anguish on you and you're going to pray that God does good for them? Tall order, isn't it? Yes, it is. Jesus taught us. Jesus taught us to have a godly love for our enemies. A godly love for our enemies. And this unconditional love, what does it look like? It looks like forgiving the person. It looks like doing good for the person. It looks like blessing the person, and it looks like praying for the person. Okay, if we can do those things, then uh, we are demonstrating unconditional love. How do we, how can I show unconditional love? Forgive others. Give others. Do good, good to others. others bless others, others. And pray, pray for others. Just four things you need to remember. All right. Question number two. 
how do you know these how do you know when someone has crossed the line and become your enemy? Attitudes. <laughs> attitude is the voice thing, eh? Attitudes. The attitude changes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Attitude. What else? They, they, their spirit changes toward you. Mm-hmm. Attitude. So you notice that first. What else? Anything else? Speech. Speech. They ignore you. What? Okay. They may not talk to you. Okay, the silent treatment? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's Body one. Language. They're always talking, and all of a sudden they're silent. They're not speaking anymore, so you know something is wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What else? Body language. Body language. Mm-hmm. They don't have to talk. My actions speak louder than my words. Okay, so you can tell by their body language that something is wrong. Okay. All right. Um, next, we'll see specific examples of how to treat our enemies. Next verse, uh, verses 29 to 31. I want to take that one. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. You got to go far, so I'm sorry you can take it. <laughs> okay. She's making up for lost time, okay? All right. Go ahead, Staria. Go for it. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Hmm. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for, for them back. I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. The Christian life is a life of sacrifice. Sometimes you may even be required to sacrifice the parts that are the most near and dear to us. You won't hear our culture promoting or encouraging this, especially when the sacrifice is for our enemies. Nevertheless, the Lord does call us to sacrifice ourselves. Loving others, especially our enemies, will often require intentional sacrifice. These sacrifices may be in the areas of money, time, schedules, energy, goals, or expectations. We certainly will need to sacrifice any pride or self-centered thinking, but we can only give sacrificially of any of these things by knowing and walking with the Lord. Jesus communicated this truth through three examples. One, if someone slaps your cheek, being slapped on the cheek by another person was an insult. So Jesus said to let him slap you again. In other words, if a person insults you once, don't be afraid to let him insult you again. You okay? You need some water? You need some water. Two, if someone takes your garment, taking another person's garment was a legal matter to a Jewish audience, Matthew 5.40. Luke was writing to the Gentile named Theophilus, Luke 1.3. So the Old Testament law in this matter, Exodus 22.26-27, would not have been all that important to him. Even without understanding the law concerning the issue, however, it is clear that we are to give generously to whoever is in need. I am. Three, if someone takes your things, this implies taking someone's things without permission, that is stealing them. Even here, Jesus stressed a selfless approach to those who take advantage of us. Don't ask for them back. Hmm. See it as a gift. Lord of Lord. Jesus gave the perfect summation of his teaching in verse 31. 
Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Versions of this statement can be found in ancient literature, but they were stated negatively. Whatever you would, you would not like done to you, do not do to another. That's fine to prevent us from doing bad things, but Jesus doesn't just want us to avoid doing harm. He wants us to do good to others. He gave us a positive command to follow, one that is grounded in love and mercy for the other person. We are to reflect love and mercy toward others just as Christ has shown love and mercy to us. Jean. Valjean. Valjean. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jean Valjean is one of the most beloved characters in literature. In Victor Hugo's novel Les Miserables, Valjean was a, was a prisoner released after 19 years. Mm -hmm. He spent the night in the home of Monsignor Benouveau. Bienvenue. Bienvenue. Mm -hmm. A gracious cleric. But he took advantage of the bishop by stealing several pieces of his silver. When Valjean was apprehended with the silver, Bienvenue did not press charges. Quite the opposite. He gave Valjean two silver candlesticks as well. Wow. By modeling Jesus' teaching on giving to one who has taken advantage of you, the bishop's love paved the way for Valjean to become a noble man. Sacrificial giving speaks unconditional, undeniable love to the recipient. It's not surprising when we do that for a friend or loved one, but when we do it for someone bent on harming us, it can be life-changing. Okay, so when we look at verse 29, we see that while Jesus said our response to what our enemies should be to love them, he didn't stop there. Jesus pointed out actions that would demonstrate the kind of love that he's talking about. Slapping someone on the face was a sign of rebuke by an authority figure, such as when one of the temple police slapped Jesus in John 1, uh, John 18, 22. Jesus said that his disciples would be blessed when they suffered mistreatment for his sake, according to Luke 6, 22. That is the context for this particular instruction that he gives us here in verse 29. So when we are slapped or abused for testifying about Jesus instead of thinking about revenge, we need to show such a person how true disciples act, how true disciples behave, how true disciples respond to such hostility. How do they respond? With love. Turn your other cheek toward the one who hit you. As unusual as Jesus was, the perfect example of what he taught, as usual. Jesus was the perfect example of what he taught. He practiced what he preached all the time, never missing a beat. When he was beaten and crucified, he asked his father to forgive those who were responsible for his abuse and mistreatment. Forgive them. Lord, don't call a bunch of angels down and destroy them and wipe them out. Forgive them because they don't know or they don't understand what they're doing. Okay, next question. Number three. How do you think most people in our culture would react to Jesus' teaching on this verse? 
And today's talk in our culture now today, people are quick to have unresolved conflict resolutions. They would probably brand this, oh, that's archaic. We don't uh-huh. do that no more. That's back in back in the day. Yeah, that's back in the day. That's that, that that's, we, that's what they used to do back then. We don't yeah. do that today. Nope. That wouldn't be the normal response. Yes. And then instead of um, when somebody slaps one cheek and then you slap the other, they would probably, people, some younger people that might get a gun or something yeah. or try to retaliate in some yeah. way. So you may be starting up something where, you know, mm-hmm. it ends badly. Yeah. Instead of you just turning the other cheek, a lot of people would just, you know, that would start up something where somebody would probably get killed or something like that. And then, of course, it would probably be ruled self-defense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whatever the case. Stand your ground. Mm. It starts when kids are little, because I know when I was teaching first grade, mm-hmm. kids would get, you know, in arguments and fights, you know, like one would hit mm-hmm. the other one. And then the parents, I call the parents and they said, well, I told my child, Anybody did anything against them, they were supposed to fight back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, I kept telling them, I, this is not like, you're not being bullied, it's just a disagreement among kids, but they can't hit one another. You know, mm-hmm. they can't slap one another and hit, hit back when somebody hits you. You're supposed to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts when they're little, you know, like, my, my kid, you know, I've done, they can defend themselves, they can fight, but, you know, it's hard for parents to tell them not to fight back. Yeah. You know. It starts in the home. Yeah, I think so. Starts in the home. See the parents fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the parents want to come to school and be the teacher. That's right. <laughs> okay. Next, we will we will discover that even sinners, that even sinners love those who love them. Loving our enemies should be what make Christians distinctive. From others. So let's look at the last passage we have, uh, 32 to 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do what is good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be a children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Okay, continue. Why does all this love your enemies talk even matter? Why can't Christians just fit into the culture and live their lives without radically loving our enemies? Here's why. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 To be a Christ follower means to live like Jesus. Jesus loves others, therefore we love. His love for others far different from the way the world expects us to love, and we are to love as He loves. Okay, go on. One word. One word describes the way the world expects things, expectations. We always expect something in return. I will treat you well if you treat me well. I will loan you 
to you. If you repay me, I will love you. If you love me, we always expect something in return. Yep. Not so for the follower of Christ. God is calling us to take our expectations out of the picture. Do good to the person even if he is not good. Love even if she doesn't show love. Loan without asking for repayment. Jesus loves us even though we do not deserve his love. Because of this we must walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. Ephesians 5 2. He loves us and paves the way for us to love others in the same way. Christ loves us radically as we should love radically. This radical love changes us. It shapes us to be more Christ-like. It inspires us to extend kind treatment to those who hate us. Christ loves us in a way that far exceeds any standard of love our world or culture could ever know. The best way to spread this love is to love others as he loved us. Next page. Wow. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Jesus modeled a life of service, Matthew 20, 28. Christ was a servant to all the people, even those who wronged him. We are to do the same. We are not here to be served, but to serve others. Wow. Actively loving your enemies may simply be giving a kind word to them, a smile as they walk by, or make eye contact with them. Where am I? Uh, eye contact? Eye. Yeah, eye contact. Okay, simple acts of kindness can begin to break down the walls of hate and soften the heart to the God's love. But it doesn't stop there. Love will also call for sacrifice. God gave us mercy when we deserve death. Who are we to decide what our enemy deserves? Jesus freely provided forgiveness to us when we were ungrateful and wicked. He gave forgiveness clothed with grace, kindness, and love. To follow in Christ's example means that we too give forgiveness clothed with grace, kindness, and love, even to the ungrateful or the wicked in our lives. Okay, so uh, what we have here is uh, an explanation of how Jesus' followers are supposed to love their enemies and be different from everybody else in society with regards to how they treat their enemies. So notice, believers, uh, believers' behavior should stand out among unbelievers. If that's not happening, then you're not being what you're supposed to be. Okay, followers of Jesus are to show God's kind love to family, friends, as well as enemies. And believers are to do what is good or beneficial to everyone, to all, not excluding and not showing prejudice to none. And then believers should lend to others, even those who are not their own kind, everybody. And then we should never set limits on whom we love and who we serve. 
And so we see that Jesus' teaching was quite radical as opposed to what we are accustomed to in the world today. So he says, uh, summarize Jesus' teachings, love your enemies, follow the example of God who loved us while we were still sinners. Okay, always remember that whenever we have a challenge about loving our enemies, let's go back and remember how God treated us. We were all enemies of God, and God loved us, according to Romans 5.8. And then, of course, we need to do what is good, lend expecting nothing in return. If you're expecting something in return, then it's not done out of a good heart. In doing this, he says, your reward is great. In other words, you lend expecting nothing in return, and you're going to see how God is going to return the offer. In fact, that's what I'm going to be speaking about on Sunday in Mother's Day service. How God is so reciprocal in what we do for Him. That's the way God is. Question number four. What does it take for a person to live the way described in these verses? Unconditional love. Unconditional love. What else? The filling of the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to set the course. Mm-hmm. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He's there to do. And then sometimes you see a need, then try to assist the person to, like you know, if somebody's right here and you see a need, just try to jump up and you know help mm-hmm. them, not just okay. wait for someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why alone? I'm not just out there giving. Hmm? Hmm? Why alone? I'm not just out there giving. Okay, yeah. Why land instead of not, instead of just giving? Okay, that's that's a good point. In fact, that's the implication. That's the implication. When he says give without expecting anything in return, he said just give. Some people you gotta know Don't that land. Some people you gotta know you gotta know Yeah, you gotta know. Yeah, exactly. So you gotta know to those who treat us poorly. Pray for them. Okay. Bite your tongue. <laughs> Bite your tongue. That's a cultural way. Okay. Some more tangible ways. Tangible ways to do good to those who mistreat you. Forgive them. Forgive them, but... Don't try to help them. Uh, do something that they don't yes. expect. Right. Yeah. Do the unexpected. That's just going to blow them away. Yeah. You know, do something that they will never expect you to do. Fill them with kindness. Fill them with That's kindness. Right. Kill. Yeah. Mm. Kill with kindness. Kill with kindness. Okay. Go kill them. <laughs> what Jesus, notice what, what, what Jesus invites us to do. He says, be merciful. Mm-hmm. Have pity on and show compassion to others follow God's example of being merciful. Those are some tangible things right there. Of course, we could think of some others. Okay, let's look at the, the uh, live it out. How do we live this, this, this teaching out? As we go beyond these four walls today, we're going to be challenged and confronted with issues that would challenge us to do what we have been challenged with here today, what we have heard today. 
Loving others, especially our enemies, is hard. But it's what we are called to do. Well, let me stop here. Starry, did you do the homework? Yes. Okay, what do you got? For loss, losses and gains? Yeah. Pride, family, and self. Okay. And what can you gain when you make these sacrifices? Fulfillment of God's promise. Okay. Did anybody else do the homework? No. Want to share? No. All right. <laughs> Don't let Starry out, do you? Know. <laughs> Be sure to do the homework. <laughs> Okay, loving others, especially our enemies, is hard, but it's what we are called to do. In other words, it's what we expected to do by God. What will you do this week to love as Jesus loves? Number one, bless. If you're continually around a person who is hard to love, be intentional in blessing them with a smile, a greeting, or some simple gesture of kindness. Identify, write down the names of those who have wronged you or could be considered your enemy. Convert that list of names into a prayer list. Pray for their needs and pray for, the good, for God to move your heart to love and serve them. Ask God to help you see them as people who loves, people he loves, people who were created in the image of God. And finally, serve. Invest your time and energy in helping an enemy with something that could, they could use some help. Use the opportunity to point to Christ. Living our lives to reflect the life of Jesus is what sets us apart. Loving people radically through our words and actions points the one who fills points to the one who fills us with his love so show people that you are a condenser or a container of love by loving them regardless of how they treat you amen our time is gone let's pray father help us to practice loving enemies today forgive us for holding grudges and refusing to forgive and help us to settle things with our enemies now rather than later. Get glory for yourself out of your teaching today, Lord, and uh, garrison our hearts and help us, O oh Lord, to be uh, hearers of the word and not just doers of the word and not just hearers of the word as we go forward. Bless us with your benediction, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.